service to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the Greatest Generation, Deep Space Nine. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Adam, you're moving down to LA. You're yep. not going to be able to tend the the inbox, nope. Oxbridge Shimoda, any longer. So I have gone and gotten a P.O. box for us in my neighborhood, Yep, Los Angeles, and uh, a few things have come in. Would you like to do a little mail call? I love it. I love hearing about boxes being opened instead of boxes being taped shut. <laughs> Captain, I'm sorry to disturb you. I'm receiving a code 47. Verify. It is code 47, sir. Start lead emergency frequency. Captain's eyes only. All right, we got something here from Alex Fitzpatrick, who I believe is our buddy that writes at Time Magazine. It's about time we got something from him. Let's see. Okay, here's a note. Dear Ben and Adam, hey guys, like so many of your viewers, I've long turned to your shows for a laugh when I most need one. My love of Trek comes from my grandpa used to sit me down on the couch for every new episode of TNG when it was still airing. I know he would have loved your shows, too, and if they get podcasts in heaven, then he's up there laughing his ass off. Anyway, as a small token of appreciation, I grabbed you guys a couple of the limited edition Picard Metro cards. Awesome! Metro Picards? That they're selling in New York right now. There are a couple of rides worth on each if you find yourself needing a subway next time you're in the city. Cool. After all, if you're headed to a major conference, public transit is way safer than a shuttle. It's true. With thanks from the East Coast, Fitz. Wow, thanks, Fitz. These are cool. I, uh, I need to Jackie and Laura you a, uh, an image of these uh, cool Metro cards. When they were doing the, the media push for this, that was one of the items that I really coveted. I, you and I have a friend that just moved out to New York, and I thought to ask him to send us a couple of these, but I didn't get around to it. That's great. Well, you have one now, mon frere. Look at those things. So cool. Yeah, super neat. Very fun. Our next package here is from Casey in Michigan. So, uh, this is a box. I'm working way, my way up in size. That first one was an envelope. That's, this is a box. That's what you do. It's the cards first. Card before gift. Oh, boy. This has a an ice pack or two in here. Wow. Oh, no. That's not food, is it? This is Grocer's Daughter Chocolate Delivery. What? There's a card in here from Casey. It says, you guys are doing great and everyone loves you. Happy chocolate. <laughs> wow. Cool. Oh, man. There's one in here for me and one for you. And the one uh, the one for me has got like uh, some chocolate bars, some chocolate-covered berries, some chocolate-covered espresso beans. Oh, man. I'm really excited about this. I'm not like a crazy chocolate person, but I uh, I do like a bit of chocolate from time to time. Oh, man, this this box is deep. I'm psyched like about those in here. espresso beans. I, I grew up not being a huge fan of the espresso bean covered in chocolate, but now, now I'm way into that. That's 
great. Oh my goodness! Wow. Well, there's a uh, there's a there's a goodie box waiting for you here in uh, L.A. It seems like the uh, seems like the cool packs were just to keep the chocolate from uh, losing its tempering in transit. That makes sense. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Casey. Thanks, Casey. That's amazing. I'll uh, I'll be down there in a week and a half. You'll have some chocolate to look forward to. Yep. And our next and final box is from Adam T. in Oregon. It's the biggest box of all. You're going up in size? I'm going up in size. All right. Which is not to say that the chocolate box wasn't big, because it fucking was. It was a big (laughs) box of chocolate. (laughs) Wow. That's going to be a lot to take on, Ben. All right. Got an envelope here. All right. Dear Ben and Adam, I am so excited to be writing this letter. I love your show. It's been my pod companion since I heard John Roderick publicly make fun of it about three and a half years ago. Yeah. He's a Borg. Oh, no. Ah! <laughs> Regards a Borg. The two of you have been significant in keeping everything feeling okay, even as the mirror universe converges on our reality. Between Greatest Gen and Disco, you guys continue to make me laugh week in, week out. Your incredible consistency and production excellence is amazing. Thank you. I'll get to the point. Whenever you land on a Quark's Bar or, God forbid, a Mornhammered episode, you go for those easy-drinking beers, smoky mezcals, Calvados, or strange and wonderful-sounding tropical liqueurs. (laughs) I keep hoping one of you might pull out a bottle of wine for variety's sake. I figured that maybe I could help jumpstart the process. I live outside of Portland on a small vineyard... At the northern tip of the Willamette Valley, I happen to make a small bit of wine every year, and I've been doing it for a few years now ever since I moved west to spend time with my grandfather and learn his winemaking ways. Wow, we've got a regular Picard in the making here. How about that? I'm beyond excited to send you two bottles of what I am now calling Chateau de Soto. Hey! 2016 Pinot Noir. If you care about nerdy wine crap, it's a blend of pomard and 115 clones aged in natural French oak for about a, a year before bottling. Hope you find it tasty, inoffensive, or at worst, functional. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for your incredible show. Thank you for doing double time to talk through new Trek on Discovery as you continue to dig into old Trek on Greatest Gen. Wow. This guy should write the label copy. For, oh, man. For his wine. Speaking of labels, Adam, I'm going to Jackie and Laurie you a picture of, uh-huh. this, of this bottle. I think you're really going to be delighted by what you see. Wow. Look at that. Best uh, grape juice I ever had. Yeah, we've got, we've got Captain DeSoto himself. So awesome. That's, that's fucking great. Now there is a wine in the world called Chateau Shimoda and another one called Chateau de Soto. There's a, there's a growing wineiverse surrounding the greatest generation. Look, I'm definitely not punching up Adam's great gift here. Uh, but if I were to walk into a wine shop and see both Chateau Picard and Chateau de Soto on the shelf, I would uh-huh. expect Chateau de Soto to have a hook. 
Like a like like it to be a larger format jug wine <laughs> with a finger hook in the side. You, you know, you think it's a, a Carlo Rossi level product <laughs> that Adam is making here? I, I no no, but I'm just saying based on name and and picture alone, I I half expected the Chateau de Soto to come in a box. Though I <laughs> I have enjoyed some very good wine in a box before, uh, just for reputation reasons. I think that's awesome. That's great. I'm really um, grateful that our viewers are so talented in so many ways and then and then sent us gifts that that prove it. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really rad. Uh, thank you to everyone that sent something in. Um, How many bottles of that do you have? Uh, we got two bottles. So, uh, cool. so you got a bu- big box of chocolate and a bottle of wine waiting for you here in Los Angeles, not to mention an MTA card. Let's try to remember uh, the next time we have a drinking episode to pop those bottles, and maybe we can even do it together. That would be really fun. Yeah. Well, Adam, that is, concludes our mailbag segment. Mm-hmm. Do you want to uh, get into the episode we came to review today? I can't wait. It's Deep Space Nine, Season 6, Episode 4, Behind the Lines. Do you realize how incredible this is? (laughs) No, of course you don't. It's a LeVar. It sure is. It's great. I love seeing his credit. Yeah. So we are uh, we're deep in the war at this point. We open with the captain's log at uh, Starbase 357, which has kind of become our, our home space station on this show. It's 375. Did I say it wrong? Yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure you got it. Uh, and we're at Starbase 3, blah, 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 <laughs> uh, which has become our, uh, our home Starbase for the show uh-huh. since Deep Space Nine got taken over. Right. Cisco is talking about how the crew is... Uh, Still feeling quite determined, despite what a tough uh, fight it has been so far. Uh, you know, they're taking their lumps, but they're also finding time to enjoy some Saurian brandy sourced <laughs> by Master Scrounger Nog. Wow! Yeah, I mean, people are cutting loose a little bit, but Nog sure isn't. Nog's working a double. I, is he both, like, working as a Starfleet and also as a waiter on the Starbase? <laughs> This it's seems just, cruel it comes to me. Natural to him. <laughs> I like that there's an open bar on the starbase, though. That's, yeah, that's fun. Cool. Yeah. I mean, the Federation really does it right, you know. <laughs> I I think Nog would dispute this, though. I can't figure out if he's being hazed or maybe this is how Nog gets comfort. Dude, it's um something we talked about pretty recently. Like, why no open bars at funerals? <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> And and I think that this is kind of a case being made for that not being such a bad idea. No, not at all. <laughs> they uh, they have a little a little uh, ritual on the Defiant crew, which is that every time they use up one of the power cells for the phaser array, they bring it into the mess and uh, and stack it against the wall with all the other spent power cells, uh, of which they are a lot. You don't just throw something like this away. Ben, I have one question and one question only for you. This is a question for all the marbles. Oh, wow. All the latinum is on the line. We're skipping the, the easy questions and cutting to the end. When I ask you this, which crew person is most likely to turn the phaser array into a giant dick and like walk around the room with it between their legs? <laughs> As a bit, 
I could kind of see Bashir doing it, actually. <laughs> I was going to say O'Brien, but I think both of them are the front runners, for sure. Yeah. They would do it together, right? Yeah. Like everybody else has left the mess and they're like, uh, you know, Miles, <laughs> <laughs> I've had a, a jolly good idea for a bit of a joke. <laughs> yeah, they're clanging them together like they're dick sword fighting. That's the thing about this ritual. It's, it's, the not, it's not the first time they've done this. They're, they've got a lot stacked up on the wall. So anyone who wants to make a fake dick out of a power cell can in yeah, this room. Yeah, that goes out over the comm. Uh, <laughs> just, uh, just so everybody knows, uh, at lunchtime today, uh, Chief O'Brien and Dr. Brashear will be holding a fake dick contest using uh, spent power cells. <laughs> You don't throw something like this away. So uh, enjoy. <laughs> this is a type of acting that someone has to do occasionally, which is making a light thing look heavy. And yeah. you can tell at times that there is no heft to this power cell, but, but people are acting like there is. It's tough. It is tough. It's something that Next Gen had a big problem with because mm -hmm. they were always having styrofoam boulders roll around and stuff like that. Yeah. Avery Brooks is actually quite good at the business of making it look super heavy. The but, business uh, of weight? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Avery, Brooks, Avery Brooks knows how to move weight. <laughs> you know who knows a lot about this is Aaron Eisenberg. Uh, yeah. he, he of the shake weight experience of a couple seasons ago. Yeah, he's not bad at it. Admiral Ross comes in and uh, grabs Cisco by the shoulder and uh, says, hey, listen, we need to talk. He puts one hand on his shoulder and puts another hand on his giant belt buckle. Big Eagle has landed. It's a sick belt buckle and it's here. Yeah, Admiral Ross's new Admiral uniform gives me real Mirror Universe vibes yeah. with that belt buckle. He's Admiral Belt Buckle for me forever now. I can't, I can't not see it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. He had, he had a more TNG-looking admiral uniform he before. Did. They changed now, the admiral's uniform to, to something that's more like everyone else's. Yeah, now, now he's Admiral Belt Buckle. Sick belt buckle, bro! I thought, I mean, why not put your pips on the belt buckle? Give it a little bit of, uh, of style. It's just, uh, it's yeah. unadorned, this thing. That's what Kirk would do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he's talking to Cisco about how every time the Federation sends a sortie of ships out to tackle some Dominion thing, it seems like they're always one step ahead. They're always getting the drop on the Federation. They always know when they're coming. And it turns out that this is because of a huge secret sensor array that they've had set up. Damn thing's capable of monitoring ship movements over five sectors. And Starfleet Intelligence finally figured out that this thing exists. It's near something called the Argolis Cluster. And so he's going to send the little D out to take this thing down. And uh, he wants Cisco to put together a plan for that action. If you, fair viewer, had it in your head that you may see this cluster or the array... <laughs> I'm here to let you down easy. It's not going to happen. <laughs> because this episode is about Captain Sisko's perspective on things. Yeah, and, and it's about going up to 30,000 feet and not being in the thick of it. Yeah, that's part of the thing. Like, it's a good news, bad news thing. We found the, another pair of balls that the Jem'Hadar have that we're going to go out to kick. So, so Sisko is given the order to, uh, to you know, come up with a plan for 
for kicking those balls. And uh, we cut to Deep Space Nine, Quark's bar, where Damar is coming in uh, for his after-work shift drink and uh, narrating what is going on with Damar from up above on the second level, level are best buds Ram and Kira. After a hard day at work, he deserves his glass of canard. They're doing that thing. I feel like you see this in movies a lot. There's a, there's a scene like this in Hudsucker Proxy where... Like characters from across the room are, are speculating on what's going on by right. narrating it. Enter the dame. I really like that as a device. I love Ram in the scene, mostly. He's the one that swiped the pad that contained the memo that is going to get Damar in such great trouble here. The co- sort of trouble that Kira is describing. It's nice, yeah. it's nice to see him capable like that. Yeah, and uh, doing his undercover duty pretty well. I mean, like this this scene devolves into a lethal bar fight between the Cardassians and the Jem'Hadar. Like three or four people die in this bar fight. It's that rugged. And it it the it breaks out because Tamar has written a memo saying like, "Hey, we're running out of uh we're running out of that white white white." When these Jem'Hadar run out of it, they're going to go crazy. So maybe the last dose that everyone gets, we poison to take them off the board and not turn them into a problem that, uh, you know, we don't want to hoist ourselves on our own Jem'Hadar. (laughs) It's a super rugged plan that makes a sort of sick sense. I see dead people. I don't know how we're supposed to feel about Tamar at this moment, but I kind of admire the big swing he takes here. Get them before they get us is the Damar plan, and I get it. They're surrounded by lethal killing machines that that show their abilities (laughs) in the very bar that he's in. They hate each other. Get out of my way! Rom says something up in the balcony, like, I think Kira is admiring Rom's ability to swipe the pad, and he says he's good with his hands, Ben. And so now we know why Lita loves him. <laughs> it finally comes together. Uh-huh. <laughs> we see a lot of violence in this bar fight, Ben, including a wrestling-style backbreaker move. Yeah. I mean, some some pretty intense stuff happens. Like when we see Court go over the bar, like that's a that's yeah. a pretty pretty dangerous stunt, actually. Yeah, because it's like it's a wide shot. You see the whole thing. Like it's he's not like going over onto a mattress or anything. It really looks good. And when we come back from the opening title sequence, they are literally like pulling sheets over the dead bodies of people who participated in this bar fight. Yeah. It's disproportionately Cardassians, but there's at least one Jem'Hadar among the among the dead, among the honored dead. So Cardassian CSI comes and like does the the eyes close things on the bodies and also like <laughs> yeah. takes all of their spoons and puts them back in the drawer. Because you don't take cocaine. With a spoon. Wayun comes down and Dukat does as well. Dukat has basically like read Damar the riot act for writing the memo in the first place. And Wayun's like, hey, dude, we need to uh, make sure that everybody knows that we're still buds. You know, the Dominion and Cardassians still have a friendly alliance, despite all evidence to the contrary. So uh, while we're standing around the 
scene of this bar fight where a bunch of people died, just like smile and laugh, just act as if. You can't. I'm smiling. Mark Alamo's smile is so Grinch-like and unnatural. Yeah. I love it so much. Really great choice by him. Maybe you could practice in front of a mirror or something. Back on Starbase 3, blah, 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 <laughs> uh, Cisco has worked out his T.E. Lawrence-like plan to take out the sensor array by the Argolis cluster, which is to fly the Defiant in via the cluster. From the landward side, there are no guns at Aqaba. Nobody is expecting a ship to come from there because the gravimetric shear would surely tear a starship apart, but... They have Lieutenant Commander Dax on their team, and she knows how to get around that problem. The Argolis cluster might as well be God's anvil, Ben. <laughs> no one will sure expect them approaching from that angle. Certainly the Turks don't dream of it. Do you think they go back for Nog if uh, if he gets lost in the, in the Argolis cluster? I think you'd have to. <laughs> yeah. Kira visits Odo in his office, and Odo... Uh, Mr. Bunker is pissed that Kira was behind the bar fight. They had a meeting earlier that Odo was at. We discussed it at our last resistance meeting. And Odo pretty clearly voiced his concerns about the plan. I said it was a bad idea. And Kira implemented the plan anyway. Worked better than I expected. Odo has signed up in recent weeks for just a lot of meetings because Mm -hmm. he's going to the ruling council of the station meetings, but then he's also going to the overthrow the ruling council of the station meetings and it's just like it's really filled up his dance card in a way that i think is stressing him out unduly yeah yeah schedule pressure is a hell of a thing i totally understand what kira can't understand at this point is that odo is being too safe and the tension here is that kira has already made her transformation she was also too safe for a time but now she's on the other side of it she's ready to to crush some heads and orchestrate some bar fights and Odo cannot get with that. Yeah. I mean, we've known Odo to be somebody who believes in justice to a fault, but he also really believes in order Mm -hmm. and he's making the case that like all of these ops that you're pulling are upsetting order on the station. You're going to get all the Bajorans kicked off, you know, we're like, like you have no idea like what the, consequences of some of the shit you're doing could potentially be and it's really bad right so don't do that stuff and if you are going to do something don't cut me out just because i didn't like the idea at first blush they're interrupted by the entrance of change leader she's there to visit odo because she's trapped on the side of the wormhole and wants some big surprise yeah i had no idea that she was trapped on this side She wants some liquid companionship, Ben. Yeah. She wants to splash around with Odo. Yeah, and Odo is incredulous with her because she kind of acts like everything is fine after she solid grounded him. Yeah. And and she's over it. She's over it completely. We have forgiven you. She does not hold a grudge, which is an amazing magic trick given how evil she is. Yeah, I mean, Um, that's science fiction to me. It's impossible (laughs) to comprehend. Yeah, I love it when you remind me that you hold grudges (laughs) with people you have disagreements with. (laughs) Back at the Starbase, Admiral Beltbuckle is having to move some personnel around. He's making promotions and filling positions, and one of the positions he needs to fill is 
a captaincy, and he wants Cisco for that, which means he's elevating Dax into the role of captain of the little D. I think he uses the term adjutant for what yeah. the new role is going to be for Cisco, some kind of aide de camp that's going to help him, you know, run this battle group that he runs. And Cisco is, you know, flattered and accepts the gig, but it means. He's not going on the Argolis cluster mission that he just set up. And that takes a bit of uh, adjusting for him. You know, he doesn't immediately, you know, change gears and uh, and get into that. It's clearly a promotion that he has mixed feelings about. And it's one that he can't turn down either. To be quite honest about it, I was in a pair. I'm fucking a Mr. Bucket, I have to revert back to my dead state. Ducat leads a McLaughlin group. Issue one. If the McLaughlin group was nothing but Pat Buchanan's, because he's sitting at the table with Odo, who whose uh, allegiances may be a little inscrutable, and also Wayun. It's two Pat Buchanan's and one Pat Buchanan wearing a beagle puss. Right. <laughs> Enter change leader, who immediately disrupts this meeting because of how Wayun feels about the founders. And yeah. this is an effect that divides Dukat and Wayun in the room because, like, as soon as Wayun becomes all deferential, Dukat's like, oh man, really? Like, I'm not going to kiss the ring, Wayun. Like, I'm yeah. here to do and a Dukat job. Dukat gets up and starts talking to change leader, like, hey, uh, like, we're peers, and uh-huh. this is, uh, you know, like, this war is awesome, obviously. I'm glad we are finally getting the chance to meet. And once we're done with this war, I'm just uh, really looking forward to, and she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what's going on with the, uh, <laughs> what's going on with the mines? Like, that's all I care about is getting back to the, the goo planet. Exactly. Yeah. Odo invites change leader to his quarters. Coffee's not coffee. Coffee is sex. And once they get there, uh, she sees all of his toys. You got to see this through the eyes of a woman, you know? And this starts a conversation where Odo tells her all about his life. And then uh, and it seems clear that there's like a permanence to this. Like she observes how he lives and where he lives. And she questions his desire to stay where he's been. And Like, why wouldn't you just join the Great Link? Why do you surround yourself with these weird toys when you could be anything in the Golden Lake? And she makes him admit that he's sticking around for Kira. Yeah. And she's like, you know, the only thing that can cure a broken heart is some consensual linking. Yeah. And so they link each other. Ben. They link each other all over the place. Sleeping with the enemy. It definitely seems very orgasmic the way Rene Aubergenois plays it, right? Yeah. Like, he, he really fucking loves linking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he were able to link anytime he wanted to, he'd probably spend all day doing it. Yeah. How many times like, could you link in a single day, you think? Like, what's the record? <laughs> Record's probably like... Like eight. What right? does Odo's refractory period look like? I know. How long does he need to recover after linking? That's what I'm saying. There has to be a limit. And Odo needs to know what that is. Kira walks into the security office looking for Odo and finds Damar is there instead. 
and uh, they have a little fuck you, no fuck you kind of conversation. <laughs> Damar is, is a great character because he's just there for everyone to be withering to. Yeah. Like, nobody yeah. respects or likes Damar. And yet they, as as personalities in this scene, feel equal in a way that is very exciting and rewarding. Like, I want to watch them swing haymakers at each other all the time now. Yeah. I didn't know yeah, how much really I wanted this until I finally got it. It's really fun to see. You love to see it. Yeah. Kira does catch up with Odo, and she <laughs> says, something seems different about you. Let me smell your dick. Why you coming home? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and discovers that he's been linking with Change Leader. And then What's she really great is great... I, I don't even have to unzip. I can just... <laughs> I can just take it out. <laughs> Kira takes great umbrage with this because we know that when you link some of the things that you know transfer back and forth. This has been used strategically in the past, but you know, Kira's very worried that Odo's role on the resistance club board may make it way its way through to change leader's knowledge. And she's uh, very upset with him. I love this scene. I love how Kira is here because she's so right. She's not just a little right. She's a thousand percent right. Like the one person that you can't merge with is who Odo is merged with. And Odo's like, it goes both ways. Like if she had ulterior motives, I would know about it. But you can't talk sense to Odo in his post link reverie because Odo's Odo's telling Kira about how great mushrooms are and Kira's like we need to clock in and go to work like right. Kira's trying to like uh, put him in a cold shower and like get him work ready yeah. we are uh, air traffic controllers Odo yeah. we need to focus on that right now <laughs> that's yeah that's totally it it's great and that tension is is perfectly played I love it I need you here focused so she basically forbids Odo from snogging Change Leader any further, and he's like, "All right, all right, all right, I'll chill out on fucking Change Leader. You, you make good points. Uh, anyways, I gotta go. I gotta go to work." It really feels like at this point that Kira is the only smart person in the Resistance, and it's like a daycare for her. <laughs> she <laughs> she is the heavy of the Resistance, and it's not even close. She's the heavy, the leader, the. <laughs> The spy, like she knows all the parts. She has to do all the parts herself. What we don't get in this episode that I wonder if we will begin to see rolled out is just how frustrating this has got to be for her to be the most capable one of the resistance. How many assholes we got on this ship anyhow? Who is seeing these angles in a way that no one else is and and how fucking frustrating that's got to be for her. I knew it. I'm surrounded by assholes. Because if she just had capable help, the resistance yeah. would be more effective. Yeah, it's like when my wife tells me to like check people's work and you know make sure that the people I hire to do things are doing their jobs. I'm like, no, no, no. We pay them to do the jobs. Like that's <laughs> that's all you have to do. Or it's like when we do friendly fire and I bring my 200 word vocabulary to a 10,000 word conversation <laughs> fight, you know? <laughs> oh, Adam, don't sell yourself short. You've got at least 250 words. All right. <laughs> Back on the Little D, which is parked at the station, Dax is now running the bridge. And it's interesting to see her in the big chair. Nog is clearly working a double. 
Like, I think he's gone right from the bar to the ship. And Cisco enters on a mission that I am perceiving as one of getting his suit back. <laughs> He's got to check the chair, and it's going to be a little awkward getting Dax up out of there. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, do you mind if I just take just take one little, last little sit down yeah. before you go? <laughs> Uh, yeah, this scene really reminded me of Han Solo and Lando Calrissian talking right before Lando takes command of the Millennium Falcon for that last Star Wars movie. Oh, yeah. She, she won't get a scratch. That's fair. Cisco definitely sidles over to the uh, soup side of the chair, but <laughs> Dax never gets up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's keeping that soup for herself. Yeah. She's keeping it warm, too. <laughs> We get a moment of sadness when back in his quarters, Cisco has to watch the ship go yeah. without him. Yeah. Bummer. That is the last we see of the Argolis mission <laughs> before they come back. Cisco basically turns to camera. He's like, certainly we're going to see, <laughs> we're going to see this cluster, right? We got to show us the cluster. I believe it was Chekhov that said, if you establish a cluster in act one, <laughs> You uh, you fly through it in Act Three, right? It's true. It's very true. What are you doing? Exactly. At Quarks on Terak Noir, Demar rolls up. Afternoon, everybody. Demar. Again, like he's going back to the same bar that the bar fight happened in. I think this is very bold. I think it just shows how Quark has cornered the market on the food and bev service on the station. Where else is he going to go? We've been watching uh, Star Trek Picard over on Greatest Discovery, and uh, we learned that Quark stays in the bar business for a long time Yeah, going forward. but uh, He franchised. Uh, yeah. I, I wonder if he franchised or if he just moved locations. But, uh, oh, yeah. But yeah, he's uh, he says they're they're renovating, which is uh, code for we're fixing the bar after you assholes destroyed it. <laughs> I'm surprised that Demar is not persona non grata, and I think he like may have been, except for he's ordering the really expensive canar, right, and loose lipping some evil plots that he has going. It will change the course of history. It is in this scene that Quark uh, hits a square on the game of buttholes by surprise. <laughs> I, and I know you feel the same way, Ben, I love doing shots with a bartender and it's great when a bartender uh, is invited into the party a little bit and yeah. uh, and doing the hang and that's what Quark's doing. He's having this vintage canard with Damar. You know what the canard looks like to me is a shot that we have done several times with a bartender at a, a bar that our buddy Chris Bowman used to work at in Toronto called Bar Fancy. They mm -hmm. have a, a Blackbird shot. And I wonder if that, if we ever do hit that canard with Damar Square, is the shot that we have to do in that episode. I love the idea. I was, coincidentally, just a couple of days ago, I was at my local and thought to get one of those. I was feeling nostalgic, and I know that's like one of my favorite shots now. And the bartender was like, hey, I actually make that into a cocktail. It's a off-the-menu drink that I make called Whiskey Drank. And so <laughs> it's whiskey, Montenegro, water, and an orange peel. And it tastes very much like an old-fashioned without the sugar. 
Yeah. Because it's because of the uh, the Montenegro is so sweet. Yeah, Montenegro is sweet enough that you don't need to add any anything else. I thought it was a tasty cocktail, really good, but a nice wow. variation if you don't want to shoot it. That is very nice. Yeah. My wife is a big fan of Amaro Montenegro, and uh, if I had an excuse to buy a bottle of that, that would be that would actually be a, a, a welcome use of of, uh, of both of our time. Well, now you do have a reason, Ben. Yeah. Well, we'll see if we ever hit that square. Quark has no reason to arrive at a resistance meeting other than his extreme drunkenness. He uh, he barges in on Odo, Kira, Ram, and a character I'm going to call for the rest of the series, maybe, for some reason, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, Jake is in this meeting, too, and they're all really nervous. They do that thing where, like, if you're having a secret meeting, the last thing you want is someone at your door that you're not expecting. Luckily, yeah. it's Quark, and he's staggered drunk, confessional yeah, he's like, drunk. somebody hold my hair. I'm going to throw up. Yeah. He confides in the group that he may hate Cardi's as much as O'Brien does. I don't like Kardashians. It's not you that I hate, Damar. It's how drunk you made me. Because <laughs> Damar got a promotion to Gull, and the plying with Kanar that, that Quark did was to find out why. And it's because Damar figured out a way to deactivate the mines using the deflector array. Rom gets his rolling timpani face. His cartoon timpani face in this scene because he thought he had uh, figured out all the angles to this thing. Apparently, he had not. And there's a really fun bit of wordplay here because uh, Quark's drunk. He's a little bit slurry and he and he conflates defector with deflector. He said something about the station's defector. Ankylosaur. One of those words means Rom may be in trouble and the other one is having to do with the station. It's pretty yeah. great. Fun act drunk from Armin Shimmerman, I want I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's it's a uh, it's not a it's not a slurry goofy no. like big drunk. It's a uh, it's a wow, I fucking have had too much drunk. It's a certain kind of drunk that is fighting the drunk and I feel like there's a little bit of that in the performance here as well. It's great. Yeah. What we get from this scene is a plan coming together and it's a plan that combines two very different personalities. Uh, we need Rom and Odo to work together because in sort of a bank robbery situation, Odo is going to deactivate the alarm while Rom runs the diagnostic that is going to remove the deflector array's ability to destroy the mines. This stuff just flies through the air. They send this information out. I mean, it's just beamed out all over the fucking place. This is all timed out. It's when Odo gets to work the next morning, He's going to push a button that allows Rom to go in through the Jeffries tubes and make these these modifications. Right, and he's got he's going to have five minutes to do it. So shit is going to be tight. But they uh, this is uh, you know like the the opening of this scene is like hey maybe we should like cause more fights between the Jem'Hadar and the Cardassians. Right, and uh, and this is a much better, more cohesive plan that actually like has a tangible benefit right they're not just going to put a bunch of broken pool cues in the middle of quarks <laughs> like they're gonna like this is something with greater consequences and you want a hundred thousand advance against a ten percent cut for that back on starbase three blah, 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 um wharf and cisco are uh, having a little FaceTime, and they are both basically talking about how frustrating it is that they don't know what's going on with dax <laughs> This, uh, upon this thing, they can agree. This is, I think, the scene where Worf's character turns into a penny stock for me. 
Worf's, <laughs> they like they're both they're both in agreement about how difficult it feels in their different ways because Cisco rightly is like, wow, man, you know, Dax is over there and we don't know what's happening and that sucks. And Worf tells Cisco it's more difficult for you because it's an entire ship. What well, the and fuck? It's, and it's Cisco's ship. It's like, yeah, it's like, wow, you let my wife borrow your car. What if she scratches it or gets in a fender bender? <laughs> Not a good look for Worf. Yeah, I don't fuck think. Fuck you, Orf. <laughs> uh, the Worf redemption is coming, but I don't like. They keep digging. They keep digging yeah. the way a stand-up does in their first ten minutes. Like, y- yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be fun digging my way out of this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, Admiral Beltbuckle, Sick Beltbuckle bro. is telling Cisco to get some sleep, like a dad telling his son he's he stayed up too late. It's very condescending. Cisco's very preoccupied with what's going on with the mission the Defiant is on. And Admiral Wellbuckle's like, hey, man, like the Defiant is one of many ships that we are supervising right now. And they're all doing big shit. And yeah. tomorrow is a big day. Like you need to zoom out a little bit and you need to be rested for tomorrow. And Cisco's like, listen, man, like my time is my own. I'm going to stay up all night waiting for updates on the little D. I'll be there for you tomorrow by hook or by crook, but I'm not ready to treat the the little D like it's not extra important to me. I like scenes where every character is right, and I think this is one of those. Like I can I can totally empathize with what Cisco's going through, but also get it together, man. Like you're gonna be <laughs> you're gonna be dying of sleep deprivation if you don't get it together because there are many ships and not only that, the little D's gonna go out all the time. Yeah, this is gonna. This is your life, man. Yeah. yeah, it's time to start getting used to it. Yeah, do you want me to like maybe transfer you to a uh, condo without a window facing out? Would that help? <laughs> morn, 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 sweet morn, morn, morn. You near, buddy? Morn, stop. Hammer time. In Odo's quarters, he's uh, hanging out with Change Leader again and asking a zillion questions. The zillion questions of a kid who you know, never met his family and is now now has an opportunity to find out about them, I think. Like, what's it like being in the link all the time? Do you ever just like get out and walk around? Were, were we always like this or were we solid at some point and we mm-hmm. evolved to be changelings? Mm-hmm. What's going on? Mm-hmm. And she has a lot of answers, some a little cagier than others, I, I want to say. Like the the drop becomes the ocean, the ocean becomes the drop is something that he reacts to like it really illuminated something for him that right. seemed to more obscure it for me. Right. Hey, this must be deep. But I wonder if the changelings are a bit like the Borgs when they're all linked together. Yeah, I like, like that idea. Do they kind of hive mind themselves? Yeah. All the while, Change Leader is becoming a little bit impatient with Odo because, you know, like I could just, I could basically download this information to you if we linked up again. Rather right. than having to deal with all this verbal communication. If communication is what it's all about. And Odo is resistant to this idea. And then he finally lets it slip that he promised Kira he wouldn't. And that's the reason why he doesn't want to. Uh, the girl I like says I shouldn't kiss my mom on the lips anymore. <laughs> We're in high school now and it just seems weird to her. The girl I like encouraged me to get this haircut. <laughs> I'm still kind of trying it on. It's not the way I've usually done it. 
She also said these saggy jeans are cooler than the ones that I had before, but I just feel, I don't feel like myself wearing them. Did you ever watch that movie Can't Buy Me Love when you were growing up? I don't think I've seen that one. Can't Buy Me Love is basically a movie about a nerdy guy falling for the cool girl and she changes him demonstrably. Like, he he uh-huh. slicks back his hair, starts wearing clothes, gets cool. All of his nerd it, friends ostracize him. Is it like uh, is it like that movie where the girl is like a a dorky artist where she if she takes off her glasses and lets her hair down everybody's like whoa she was actually hot the whole time it's actually the opposite of that she puts on glasses after being with him like like she realizes that she's as nerdy as he is in some ways Uh in falling for him so yeah she she walks backwards up the stairs to use the the she's all that yeah she's all that (laughs) metaphor Uh, wow. Well, who knows who is she's all thatting Odo, mm-hmm. whether it's Kira or Change Leader. But um, what Kira is doing is taking delivery of a basket of fruit from Rom. I hope there's more than just fruit in that basket. This is uh, the basket of fruit that he has uh, concealed all the tools he needs for this op that they're about to pull. And uh, he, I guess, comes to her quarters so that she can walk him to the Jeffrey's tube. Ben, this isn't the first time that... Rom or Quark have used a fruit basket to conceal something, right? Oh, really? Like, wasn't there an episode where they hit a they hit a, a bug in a fruit yeah. basket for a meeting? That was pretty recent, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, there's some there's a really fun moment here when some Cardassians walk into the background. We see how good Kira is at like improvising her way through. A situation where she's got to cover for something yeah and and like doing like there is good improv and then there's good improv that is helping your scene partner <laughs> and she is the the second one where she is making it obvious like what rom needs to say next so that she can get him not killed right oh your brother sent this didn't he and so they they get out of there he climbs into this jeffrey's tube with the fruit it's going to be a few minutes before 0800 hours when Odo flips the switch. Crazy ending to this episode because as soon as Rom gets into the Jeffrey's tube with the with the fruit bowl, he is attacked by hundreds of voles. <laughs> and uh, and then we and then we get the credits. Pretty dark. Did you like the episode, Adam? <laughs> I mean, I was kind of rooting for the voles, TBH. <laughs> Just tearing him apart. Yeah. Make, um, make, put Lita back on the market. <laughs> You'd love that. <laughs> you know, there's two parts of this plan we were referring to. Odo is instrumental. And so Kira's next stop is Odo's office, but she finds it empty. And uh-oh, what do you think is happening? We cut to Odo's quarters and he is merging with Change Leader as Kira is growing frantic on the comms trying to get his attention. Odo, answer me. The fruit delivery does not go well, Enterprise. (laughs) When you link, do you turn off your senses? Because it seems like he could hear her if he wanted to. But maybe yeah. he's in that he's in that form of reverie that we see before and we see after that it, that he just doesn't care. Yeah, I mean, it's one of these things where you can tell everything is fucked way before it's actually eight hundred hours. 
Yeah. Like she's about to leave and radio Rom, but Damar stops her and tries to tries to strike up a conversation and it's like no it like just like that 10 seconds cost you everything basically i wonder if they ever thought about not showing the linking like to do it in a as a kind of invasion of the body snatchers thing where her very presence suggests what might have happened and then huh. if we cut to the end of this episode and we see how uninterested odo is in the consequences of an of his actions then you realize that he's been turned you know yeah. i mean i think that that's an interesting way to do it but i did like to see it going in <laughs> yeah yeah especially when you get in that like underneath angle shooting up yeah pretty sexy stuff <laughs> we're running out of time ben and it is majorly stressful like there's only minutes left for odo to turn off the alarm system he's clearly not going to be able to do it. And so the alarm goes off with Rom inside the tube. And so he books it. I loved Rom like scrambling through those tunnels. It looks like, so painful to me. Yeah. It, it, it really reminded me of that Mission Impossible movie with Philip Seymour Hoffman, where yeah. there's a scene where Philip Seymour Hoffman is playing Tom Cruise in Philip Seymour Hoffman mask. Uh-huh. And he's like swinging from ropes and like and like running and jumping. Love it. And stuff. Like it's 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 Rom doing stuff that you never thought Rom would do. Yeah. And uh and he uh he gets grabbed by the Cardassians. Uh this is tough. I think one of the qualities of Rom is that you're kind of essentially feeling sorry for him. Yeah. Like he's capable in so many ways, but he's also incapable in in almost as many or even more. And so when he's arrested, you're like, God, who is the worst person to be interrogated and tortured it's him it just makes me feel gross and sad it's tough you really want to do this here now okay okay let's do it do back it. on starbase three the defiant crew have successfully returned from their mission they're having a, a drink in the whatever the defiance equivalent of 10 forward is and the mantle of captain has really passed to dax she does the the same speech about the phaser <laughs> battery you don't throw something like this away she takes two of the power cells puts them up against her chest and she's like check this out <laughs> pew, 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 pew. <laughs> <laughs> pretty hot scene yeah yeah cisco and admiral belt buckle are observing this and there's an understanding happening here and that is that cisco cares very deeply about this crew and about Dax specifically, but they don't need him in the way that he thought they might. And that yeah. is a character building moment for him. He gets it. I liked it. The button on the episode is back on Terak Noir. Kira walks into Odo's absolutely enraged, like 11 out of 10 pissed off and is met in an equal and opposing force by the chill of Odo, who yeah. isn't defensive at all about being at fault for this. And that is such a creepy way to be. Like it's not that it's not that the responsibility for it is bad. It's that he knows he fucked up and it doesn't matter. Are you saying you forgot? I didn't forget. It just didn't seem to matter. He doesn't care because nothing matters to him more than the link now. Yeah. Yeah. Linking is is all he cares about, and he just feels like a 
you know, a different person with the same face. Odo doesn't want to go out anymore. He just wants to stay home and link all day. Yeah. It's really sad. It's very sad. You see this you on know, Kira. There's a healthy <laughs> there's a healthy way to make linking part of your lifestyle. And then there's the way where it kind of like takes over and starts to cause harm in your personal relationships, starts yeah. to make you kind of like not available for day-to-day life things that you need to be available for. You link too hard or too much and it makes you ineffective when you link with other people. Right. You you start to expect the kind of specific things about the way you link personally. <laughs> yeah. And another person can never really provide that. No. <laughs> I love Nana Visitor's take here because when you see her expression change from what the fuck into I finally get it, it's clear like it's over for Odo and her, both personally and professionally. And when she leaves, Change Leader emerges from around the corner. And the feeling gets doubled down with not only her presence, but with what Odo says. Like, right. what's happening doesn't bother him whatsoever. And we get the single brass instrument of turning your back on your friends into credits. It's super it's sad. Super sad. RSVP friendly Odo. Yeah. Yeah. Did uh, Change Leader look a little red to you in the face? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, after I've linked, I'm often a little flushed. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you're not, but... Uh, Asked and answered. Yeah, that was easy. <laughs> did you like this episode, Ben? I did. You imagine an episode of TNG ending with a main cast character having just like fully gone evil on mm-hmm. us? Mm-hmm. It's hard hard to imagine, right? Mr. Worf. Fire. Though the quality about Odo up until now, that neutrality in him, makes it seem as though it's less traumatic to see him almost go hyper-neutral instead of evil. You know what I'm saying? Like, his yeah. the brand of character evil that he's demonstrating here isn't, like, arch- or anything like that. It's it's a weird effect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think um, it's a, a really interesting episode where we have a different TV show next week than we started with this week. Yeah, sure do. How about you? Yeah, I, I liked it for all the same reasons. I thought I thought both the A and the B story were equally interesting to me. I mean, I prefer TV and movies that like really make me feel something even if that feeling is bad and the the creep out factor of Rene Auberginois performance here at the end I think is is great it's it was super effective in that way you know what else is effective is priority one messages Adam do you want to see if we have any in the inbox oh I know we do priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel need a supplemental 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 yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, we have a couple of priority one messages here. The first one is from Matt. And it's to Astrid. It goes like this. Hi, Princess. One year ago, you showed up seven weeks early. You spent 14 days in the NICU before we could bring you home. Your mom and I had no idea what we were doing. Look, we still don't, but we love you like crazy. And hope you grow to appreciate space, Star Trek, Friends of DeSoto, and Ben and Adam sometime in the 2030s. 
Happy first birthday. Wow. A very good friend of mine is a NICU nurse and has been for a while. And that is a, a really serious place to be. So I, I can't imagine how difficult that had to be Yeah. Uh, for a time. Really glad On that your- uh, that, that Beeb is home uh, where, yeah. they, where they belong. Happy birthday, little baby Astrid. <laughs> Don't listen to our yeah. show until you're like 25. <laughs> yeah, it, way older than 18 or 21. Like, you should be driving for many years by the time yeah. you boot up Greatest Gen. Yeah. You've done your your required uh, tour of duty in World War Three, and now you're back, and now you can start. <laughs> yeah. All right, Ben, our second priority one message is from Matt, and it is for Brigo. And in parentheses, it says, and also Ben and Adam. <laughs> Wait, is this the same Matt? I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe. Let's see. Let's see through context clues if we can figure this out. Message goes like this. It's Valentine's Day. My wife is out of town. I've had too many Coco no-nos, and I'm finally 100% caught up with TGG and TGD. I blame wow. all of you for this. <laughs> ben and Adam, you and your shows are great. Thank you for making them, and thank you for making my days a little bit brighter. Consider a live show in Lexington, Kentucky. The bourbon is on me. Wow. Do they have bourbon in Kentucky? think so. I mean, I, oh. I think oh. that's what made Kentucky famous, right? I thought it was the way uh, he pronounces it in The Last of the Mohicans when he says he's going to move to Kentucky. <laughs> I love that. Probably won't be able to swing a live show in Lexington, Kentucky, Matt, but uh, thank you so much for the P1, and uh, I hope you've recovered from your Coco no-nos, and uh, I hope you uh, had a little makeup valentine's day with your wife when she got back from out of town if you've got a message you like to share with a newborn or anyone else you can go to maximumfun.org slash jumbotron where personal messages are 100 dollars and commercial messages are 200 dollars, both of which are a great way to support the ongoing production of this show gotta get that get that gold press One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess or we've had too much jazz in our gummy, and that sucks, right? 
because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! I did find a drunk Shimoda, Ben. I'm going to give it to Damar. And he, mm. he doesn't have a ton of dialogue in this scene, but what I'm going to say is that I like what he does without dialogue. There's a scene early on when he has that uh, interaction with Kira in Odo's office where, yeah. where Kira is basically flipping the desk over in front of him and he's just eating it and watching (laughs) like he's got kind of a neutral face but he does this sort of like head shake thing that that i really i really dig i really dig little details like that what does a person do if they're not talking during a time when they're just absorbing someone's rage We talk about it all the time on the show, like uh, an actor's micro expression selling a character's motivations or experience. Like this is one of those things. The person playing Damar here makes a choice about what to do with his head. And I totally feel it when he does that. Yeah. That's that's Casey Biggs as as Damar. So Damar slash Casey Biggs is my drunk Shimoda. What about you? My drunk Shimoda is Kira for the... Bad choice she makes at the end of this episode of walking into Odo's quarters to confront him about what he has done. Yeah. 
uh, change leader is right behind that wall, and you got to check for change leader before you. <laughs> Are you suggesting? You make a decision. How do you check for change leader if you don't have a phaser rifle shooting that uh, that beam yes. out into the room? That's what you wanted Sweep to do. Sweep the room. Sweep. Sweep the room. All right. We've seen. This is this is a device that has been used one too many times on Deep Space Nine, where somebody walks in, says the big secret, and then walks out, and then the like evil person you yeah. wouldn't want to hear that secret has just been laying in wait. No good. Sweep the room. That's the lesson. Every time. Good call. Don't don't sweep the room. Not even once. <laughs> well, Adam, do you want to see what we're going to be doing next week? You're here to tell us what it's about and also what the game of buttholes has to say about the way we'll be talking about it. Okay, well, uh, the next episode is Season 6, Episode 5, Favor the Bold, Part 1. While Kira prepares for the destruction of the Federation minefield, Cisco plans to retake Deep Space Nine. Hey, fun. Big stuff happening next week's episode. And as of right now, our little runabout is on Square 57. There's a space butthole ahead that could take us down to a quirks bar mm-hmm. uh, on mm-hmm. square 18. I think that's the only thing we can potentially hit right now. Right. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and roll this thing, see what we hit. Oh, shit. <laughs> Got it? I hit I hit the butthole. Wow. We have hit the Quark's bar on square 18. We we keep sliding down this game board. Yeah, we'll never get to Mornhammered at this rate. But a nice a nice concession is a Quark's bar episode. We'll have to just resolve to randomly roll high numbers going forward. Right. <laughs> I one one thing I like about this though is we now have an idea for Kanar with Demar and that puts Kanar with Demar ahead of us again. Right. 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 So, so. Yeah. Uh, anyways. Quark's that. bar next week. I don't want to do Quark's bar with wine, that's for sure. I mean, I guess we could. Next week is the Max Fun Drive as well, so. Oh, good. Good so timing. Prepare for, prepare for drunk Ben and Adam trying to convince you to give them a little bit of money. You know what? This is perfect. This is how it should be. I, I love it. Yeah, I guess so. All right, well, that's uh, that's the next episode. In the meantime... I would say hold off on contributing to the production of The Greatest Gen until the start of the Max Fun Drive because you want those great prizes, right? I'm going to come down on the other side of this and say if you're feeling like it, you should. Uh, you can always do it again. Yeah, MaximumFun.org slash join. Uh, but you can also support us in free ways like uh, recommending the show to a friend or loved one or uh, you know going on... Apple Podcasts, leaving us a nice review. If you ask a question in your review, we might answer it in the Marin on a future episode. Oh, yeah. You know how Bill Tilly supports the show. He makes the comedy trading cards that come out on Twitter every week. He does indeed. He uses the hashtag GreatestGen. He's at BillTilly1973. I'm at BenjaminAHR, and Adam is at CutForTime. Yeah, you should use the hashtag GreatestGen. That's that's how you find other like-minded friends of DeSoto. Yeah, that's a fun hang. Get in there and find a spouse. You're looking for one of those? <laughs> yeah. You want to get Wouldn't married? Be the first time it had happened. Yeah. That's how you do it. Hey, we never talk about this, but there are uh, there are transcripts of new episodes of Greatest Gen 
every week on MaximumFun.org. They, uh, I think they tend to take a week or two after the drop of an episode to get the transcript done, but these are like human produced transcripts of every episode and they uh, they really do a nice job it's like a pdf with you know who's speaking and at what time uh so if you're uh if you have somebody in your life that is hard of hearing or just would prefer to consume the show in a text-based format we have heard from people that uh, actually really like it that way and also if you just want to like look up something we said some weird rum we might have recommended. That might be a good resource for that kind of thing as well. Maybe you love the idea of Greatest Gen, but don't like our voices. Uh, yeah. Maybe maybe just put the transcript in and have Siri read it to you. Yeah, I think that's probably... yeah. Get, if, if you could get Castilian Spanish Siri to read it against uh, like, uh, Australian Siri, yeah. that, would be, that would be really something. <laughs> uh, I love the music on this show. Uh, Adam Ragusi is responsible for that in large part. Uh, riffing off of a thing that Dark Materia did originally for the OG version of The Greatest Generation. You can find Adam Ragusea all over YouTube. He is a YouTube sensation. Uh, he's encouraging you to season your cutting board before the meat. All sorts of really crazy ways to prepare food, but but uh, but good. Yeah, I mean, like you're going to learn like simple and easy dishes to prepare that are fun to eat. But also, like, learn a little bit about the science of, like, why a cooking technique works when you're doing it. They are really good videos, and I'm not just saying that. He's uh, he's done a hell of a job over there. He's killing in the game. Much more popular than us for good reason. Yeah, he's not making transcripts of his shows. He, he doesn't want to get sued. <laughs> I, do, I do not want to read back the transcript of this show uh, during a deposition, Ben. <laughs> we need to make sure that that never happens. Yeah, it's not it's not court reporters that are writing it down. So I don't fun. think it would hold up under. Max Fun was so interested in knowing if they could, they never stopped to think about whether or not they should make transcripts <laughs> of Greatest Generation. <laughs> yeah, they should have done it on different shows. <laughs> and. With that, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and an episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine, which sort of drives by your old house, looking to see if anyone's home. Maybe you'll pop in for a little bit. Maybe the door's unlocked. Well, maybe I'll just go sleep in my old bed. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll take a dump for old time's sake. You know those those bathrooms on the uh, promenade. Imagine, yeah. I imagine they're great, like a like a hotel lobby bathroom. Yeah, because the gym had art on shit, right? Nope. Yeah. So, so the well, but the Cardassians have been shitting in there. Oh yeah. Yeah. You don't get the sense that the Cardassians exactly have excellent hygiene. Yeah, I don't get the sense that they're treating those public restrooms like a campsite. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.